all including um, myself. Um, so I'm going to pray before we um, jump right in, because listen, you guys want to hear from the Spirit. I know you guys like me, but um, we want to hear from God and what he has to say. So I'm going to pray real quick. Um, Lord, um, we acknowledge that you are already here. You are already at work in us. But Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would, um, that your message would be clear. God, we just pray that anything that um, comes up that is not from you and it's from me, God, would it fall on deaf ears? Would no one hear or understand it? Um, but Lord, we ask that um, you would speak to our hearts, um, God, and you would just give us the courage to respond in whatever way that you are calling us to. Amen. Okay, I'm going to because I might want to sit. Um, so I want to take us, I've been on this a little bit of a journey um, lately, kind of a weight loss journey for the last like year and a half. And a part of this weight loss journey has been to learn um, different things about my body to like, how can I be healthier? And one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to start running. I was like, I'm going to be a runner. And I was like, this is going to be so amazing. And I'm going to look so good doing this. As you guys know, this did not work out. But I learned a few things. I learned a few things really quickly. One, running is the worst form of exercise I've ever done in my entire life. If you, if you guys are runners, like, bless you. Because it's just hard. I don't know. It's just hard. Um, and so that was the first thing I learned. I learned that straight out of my driveway. I was like, this is horrible. The second thing I learned is that running is not natural. So one thing that happened pretty quickly is I was like in pain all over. Like my arm, my shoulders were like hurting. And I was like, hold on, why are my shoulders hurting? I thought this was a leg exercise. And then like, I'm having this weird thing happen in my hip. And I'm just like, moving along looking weird and so I got back to my house and I was like yep running is not for me I am done clearly this is not as like natural as I thought so I started to look it up and it turns out that we are not natural runners like most people don't come out the gate with perfect form and they're like you know looking great maybe like there are a few people I know who have the running physique um but anyways so I was like okay if I'm not naturally like running, maybe I can learn how to run. So I started this program where the lady would, um, Elise started it with me actually for a while, and the lady would coach you through like your earbuds while you were running. And she's like, okay, don't cross your arms across your body. Okay, so I'm like, okay, no arms. And then she's like, lean forward. And I'm like, leaning forward, but not too much. I'm like, okay, not too much leaning forward, but kind of leaning forward. You know, and don't, all these rules, like, you know, push back on the ground. Don't just hit the, the ground like this. Okay, got it. Um, another thing I learned was um, that um, your strides are supposed to be long, right? So I'm learning these things as I'm running. And guys, it is uncomfortable. I, it is so uncomfortable because it is not the way I have ever run in my entire life. The way that I came out the gate, that felt more natural to me, though it was destroying my body how I was running. 
Um, and so this new form felt just really awkward um, for a long time, but I did notice that, hey, there's this muscle back here I've never used before, but it's looking kind of nice, okay? You know, and as I'm using these different parts of my muscles, I'm getting stronger and running sucks less. Still sucks, sucks less. And so, um, just like this running story, um, I want to declare um, for us today that God is calling us out of the fear of the unfamiliar and into a new way full of fresh anointing. And so that's kind of what we're going to talk about um, today. So let's jump into the text really quickly. Um, Jesse, actually, would you read for me? Sure. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you, who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, we will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon from the jungle of Blanking, Parmenes and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert of Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Thank you, Jesse. I had you read those because I cannot pronounce those names. Um, <laughs> so I felt like maybe you got a better shot at it. Um, so let's recap really, really quickly what we've learned so far in Acts. Um, so, so far we've been going through um, Acts, and we're at Acts 6 right now, and we have learned um, that the, we learned a few things. One, so Jesus dies, he, raise, he raises from the dead, and before he ascends into heaven, he's like, hey, I'm going to give you guys a helper. I'm going to give you a helper, and he's going to have, a, you're going to be receive power. And Acts 1 it says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and to the ends of the earth, right? And so that begins to happen. This crazy thing happened, this day of Pentecost, um, where um, the Holy Spirit shows up, right? And people are like healing people, like there's, um, there's, speaking in different languages that they never studied. Lord, please let that be me. Let, let Spanish come upon me. You know, that's how I'm like, that would have been awesome, right? Never study it, and all of a sudden you're like, como se dice? It just comes out, you know? Um, so miraculous, crazy things are happening. And as that's happening, the numbers are growing. People are excited to know this real, tangible God, and they are experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. And more people, and more people, and more people are growing and not only are they growing they're being together in prayer like they are praying together so this is like probably the christian utopia right everyone's like i imagine there's like this circle of people holding hands and singing and stuff like that and it's great right and so that's this picture we've seen up until we get to act six where act six starts with a conflict 
And this may seem out of place a little bit because, hold on, we're in Christian Utopia, right? We're doing the new thing. But something, something is off here. And so um, as we were reading, it says, in those days, the numbers were, you know, they were growing. And you have the Hellenistic Jews who come and they say, hey, apostles, this is all great and all. And we're having the best time of our lives. But let me, bring, let me make you aware of something. Um, the Hebraic Jews are ignoring or overlooking our widows. And so the, the apostles are like, you know, like we, could be, we need to be praying and reading the Bible. We should not be dealing with this right now. So like appoint some people to come and handle this. And so in the apostles' response, there's two things that I noticed that they did not consider. So one thing that I feel like they did not consider was the history between the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. I think in creating this, oh, like, yes, the power of God is, and we're experiencing in this, and then being caught off guard by the conflict, part of that to me is like, oh, you must have missed the history. So the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews are Jews. They are all Jewish. But... Culturally, the Hellenistic Jews are more Greek in culture. They're not Gentiles. You know, they worship the same God as the Hebraic Jews, but they are more Greek in culture. They actually speak Greek. They live amongst the Gentiles. They aren't as close to the temple where you would go to worship. Where the Hebraic Jews are, they pride themselves on speaking Hebrew, the language of the fathers, and being in Jerusalem, and being close to the temples, um, and um, just being more traditionally what someone may think a Jewish person would be. So there's already this inferior, superior, um, jealousy, slash, like, righteous kind of dynamic between these two groups. So the fact that this these are the two people having the conflict is not super surprising if you take into consideration the history. And another thing um, that I feel like they missed was that old patterns of thinking and behaving don't just go away because we say yes and we enter into something. It is a continuous unlearning and putting to death. And so even though this seemed out of place, we have to realize that the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews were just living out of what they've always done, how they've always related. And so to them, it was normal to think that they were superior or to be jealous and think they were inferior. That was the nature of their relationship between these two people. So whether it was conscious or subconscious, they were living out of an old way in a new space. Um, and so I wanted to tell this story really quickly. Um, it's a gross story, so I don't want any judging looks. Um, because it's gross, but it's the only thing I can think of that would just depict this for, for you guys. Um, so when I was a kid, I had a favorite pillow. Who else had like a favorite something as a kid? Right, you know, yeah, so I'm not crazy. We all have, you know, things we get really attached to. But guys, I really love this pillow. And you may be thinking like a little baby pillow. No, it was a full-size grown woman pillow. And I carried it everywhere. My mom had to make some rules around this pillow. She had to say, Hannah, 
It can go to the mall with us, but it has to stay in the car because I was gonna carry it no matter what. And so we had to bring some rules around this pillow that I loved so much. And I have this memory of being at my mom's friend's house and she's saying, Hannah, and my mom's friend saying this, Hannah, I will take you to the store and you can get any pillow you want. You can get any toy you want. You can get anything you want if you give me this pillow. And I was like, no. It was like, I don't even think I hesitated. I think it was like, no, nah, I'm good. But thanks for the offer, ma'am. Like, it was a no for me. Because this pillow was so comfortable to me. I had attached so much comfort and value and memories. It was my playmate. This pillow was everything to me. And I would like to say that you know, the next day I rethought it, but I didn't. I did not rethink it. And that pillow entered into a lot of seasons of life with me, more than I would like to admit. Gabe, don't say anything. Um, and so I, I still have this pillow. But here's the thing about pillows and why this is gross. You're supposed to get rid of your pillows every one to two years. That did not happen, obviously, because pillows literally harbor like allergens, mold, dust mites. If you've ever had bed bugs, they like live and die in there. Like, I don't think we have bed bugs, let's hope not. Just all of these toxic things, right? So you're supposed to get rid of it because if you keep sleeping with it, you're inhaling all of that every night. But here's the thing, I did not care. Like someone could have been like, that is making you sick. And I would have been like, but it's comfortable. And remember the one time when I was scared and I cuddled it, like I can't give it up. And the same thing happens with us right and these gross maybe and maybe they don't feel gross maybe they feel comforting patterns of thinking ways of behaving we hold on to them so long we hold on to our opinions we hold on to our um our sides you know what we think about something we hold on to our ways of thinking have you ever heard someone say oh that's just the way i am and I'm always, I always want to respond to that with, how's that working out for you? Is it going good? Like, because, and it's not to be like condescending, but we hold on to these things that are so toxic to us because we have attached so much value and comfort um, and, dare I say, identity to them, right? And so just like my pillow, even when something new is presented to us, we have a really hard time saying yes to it because we're thinking, well, what if it makes me give up my pillow? What will that mean if I have to give this up? And so here we see in this Hellenistic Jews versus the Hebraic Jews, the same thing happening. The Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews, both of them, are acting out of old thinking, even though literally they're experiencing this thy kingdom come on earth. They're experiencing the power of God, but they don't know how to fully step into it because they don't know how to let go of what was. And I get it, I get it. There are things we were raised with, ideas, there are traditions, there are things that I wanna to cling to so bad but it does prevent me from fully experiencing and living out what, it's, what this new way, this Jesus way, right? Um, because um, I can't let go. So the way that Jesus is offering us, the way that Jesus is inviting us into this new way of love your neighbor. 
this new way of all needs are met. It says that in the, in the beginning of Acts, um, it talks about how people were selling their things just to make sure everybody had what they needed. It was like, oh, you need a car? Let me downgrade my car so I can get a little cash off of it so I can buy you a car. Like, what the what? Like, okay, that's fine, you know? So this all needs are met. This no hierarchy, this ideal superiority. I am better because of X, Y, and Z, right? Sometimes, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. Sometimes this happens even with our how we view God. We think that the way we view God is superior. Our knowledge of God is just chef's kiss. Just, oh my gosh, I understand him so much better than everyone else. And so what you're saying about who God is could not possibly be true because I know God perfectly. And I don't know about you guys, I accepted Christ when I was seven. Chances are I, do not, I did not fully understand who he was at the age of seven. So I'm still growing and understanding who God is, right? And I'm learning from the Holy Spirit that lives in me, but I'm also learning from the spirit that lives in Jesse, from the spirit that lives in Yvonne, from the spirit that lives in all of you guys. I am learning more about who God is, right? Um, and there's another thing is, this new way is God is inviting us into this experience of the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you guys, but I am ready for a fresh anointing. I am ready to see that the day of Pentecost, modern day, happened. I am starving for the Holy Spirit to do a new thing in me, in us. I want that. And that is a part of this new wave. It's a part of letting the old things die that we are being invited um, into. But here's the thing. The old way is so appealing. It is so appealing. The old way is appealing because it feels familiar. It feels like I know it. It takes no work to be this, right? So it's familiar, it's comfortable. It feels like protection and our sense of belonging. When we reject something that maybe feels like a part of our personality, there is this fear that we will be rejected by everybody who loves us. If I give up this idea that I was taught, what will my family say, right? What will they say about me? Will they think that, like, will they think I'm nothing? But I love them. I can't, I can't accept their rejection. That would break me. Well, what, what will happen if I give this up? Will I even know myself? I've always thought this way. I've always believed this. I have always, always, always. How could I possibly give that up? Who will I be if I do that? And so there is this fear that rises within us that if we give up these old ways that we will be left out with no protection, no community, no sense of belonging, and utterly rejected. And I get that. I really do. And there is a little bit of fear in me that it might not preserve my myself, right? I like to feel superior, to be honest. Like, and if you say you don't, then can I sit at your feet and learn? Like, I like 
the notion that maybe I'm better than somebody next to me. I like the notion that maybe I'm not the weakest link. And so then for God to be inviting me into this way where I choose to be the weakest link, why? Why would I do that? Like that makes no sense, but it does. Because, it, because, because God is offering us into life more abundantly, and that happens with me letting go of who I think I am and stepping into who God says I am. And I was talking to Jesse, and I said, Jesse, you know what? I don't want to preach this message because I feel tired, and I know other people feel tired. And exhaustion so easily leads us to complacency. The idea of learning something new makes me want to go home, shut my doors. Like, I'm like, Lord, please make me blind and deaf so I don't have to hear it and I don't have to see it, right? It's, it's easier. Can we be honest? We are exhausted from, from fighting, from learning, from everything feels hard. But the flaw in that thinking is that we have to do it by ourselves. If we have learned anything from Acts, we have learned that the, the story in Acts is not about the apostles. It is the charting of the movement of the Holy Spirit. It is about the Holy Spirit. So if this is about him and he is inviting me in, then he better come up with a plan. He better help me out here because listen, I'm tired. And so we have to realize that subscribing to this new Jesus way is only done through the Holy Spirit. Now that doesn't mean that it won't cost. That doesn't mean you may lose some social status that be you that you may be misunderstood. It doesn't mean that you won't have to be willing because Sorry, side note, I know my timer's going off, but I just got a few more things to say, so bear with me. Um, so there is this piece of willingness. And I wanted to talk on this because I think the Christianity we have seen has been about, like, demanding. Demanding us to do and live this certain way. But that is not the Jesus way. He is, a, he is described in Scripture as a gentleman. And so he is not like, you better say yes to this new way or else all hell is going to break loose. Your life is going to be terrible. Like I'm making sure it rains every single day. That's not who he is. <laughs> he is a God of invitation. He is inviting you in. And even if you can't say yes today, like he's not like, well, time's up. He is going to invite you again tomorrow. And any little step you, you take towards the, the, the new way will be celebrated because he is the one who's doing the work in you. So when you, feel when you feel misunderstood or rejected for the things that you are letting go of, by the people you love often, and when you have to give up ideas or traditions that don't sit well with you anymore, that just don't feel right because now you understand that, no, this isn't the way. When that is happening, Jesus is right there with you. And though you give up stuff when you are letting go of your pillows, when you're saying, I don't want to inhale toxins anymore, I'm ready to let them go, you get life, life more abundantly. You get the power of the Holy Spirit and this fresh anointing. 
This anointing that is not only protection, but it's also power. And so that is what we are stepping into. And the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews, they're learning. It was okay that they brought that mess in to the community, to the um, ut utopia. Is that the right even word? To the utopia, to the utopia. It's okay, it's okay because you know what? There's a team of people now that the apostles appointed that are gonna remind them, hey, no, no, no. I know you packed that old way of thinking in your backpack, but we're gonna take that backpack off because we're learning something new today. And then when you pick it back up, we're gonna, as a community, be there to remind one another that no, I know you grew up with that kind of thinking and I know it feels right in every sense of you, but it doesn't follow the person of Jesus, the God revealed in Jesus. So we're gonna lay that down. And so I don't know specifically what God is asking you to lay down. I don't know what you're, what's in your backpack, what you're trying to carry into this new way. I don't know. I wish I did so I could like start handing out note cards with all the things God revealed to me about you, but he didn't. Um, and so I want to spend some time reflecting. Um, and I'm just gonna say this, is probably the thing that you think it could not possibly be. It's the thing that probably makes you the most uncomfortable to thinking of, think about giving up just like my pillow. It's probably the thing you want to defend that's probably the thing that the Lord is at least asking you to let him examine. And so we're going to take a few moments of reflection. You can do this now, um, or you can just sit in silence and do it later, or you can not do it at all. But you know what? God is going to invite you again tomorrow to do it. And hopefully we'll have the courage to let those things go, knowing that our identity is not found in fear, but is found in the one who is the creator of all.